Thank you for listening to the Troy Podcast, where we promote, educate, inspire, and entertain creators of all things related to fantasy and science fiction. Hi, this is Carson with Troy, and I have with me Christopher Patterson. Um, he is the author of the Dreamwalker Chronicles, which, to my understanding, it looks like it's broken up into two different trilogies. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's, uh, yeah, two different trilogies, and then we're working on a third trilogy. It'll be a part of the same series. So. Oh, nice. So the, the first trilogy is The Shadow Fire, and the second one is Demon's Fire. And it right. looks like you have another series, um, uh, the Holy Warriors series, and you only have one book in that. Is that correct? Yeah, and I'm currently working on a couple more. It's uh, Dreamwalker Chronicles is just kind of general, typical epic fantasy, and then uh, Holy Warriors is uh, um, a historical fiction fantasy, I guess you can, might, might call it. Perfect. So, Chris, go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure, yeah. Um, so I was uh, born and raised in Tucson, Arizona. That's where I still live. Um I've been a musician and artist my whole life. Uh, so I started writing at a really, really young age. Um, in fact, I remember starting off writing on my grandmother's typewriter. That's how old I am. So, <laughs> um, like I said, I still live in Tucson, Arizona. Um, I'm actually a high school teacher. Um, I'm a wrestling head wrestling coach at the high school I teach at, and I coach football too. So I've been in athletics my whole life also. Um, and... Uh, I'm married. Uh, my wife and I have been married 16 years. I got three kids, a 13-year-old, an almost nine-year-old, and a seven-year-old. Um, they're all involved in athletics and tons of stuff, so I'm going a million a million ways. Um, I went to the University of Arizona, where I uh, actually started off by studying classical guitar performance. Oh, wow. Um, I still play the guitar, mostly at church, uh, for praise team and stuff like that. Every once in a while, someone will hit me up for a wedding or something like that, but not as much. And then um, I eventually got my my uh, degree in creative writing and literature comp, and then I have a master's in education. So, um, but I, I don't really have any aspirations of being anything more than a teacher and a coach. So, you know, like principal and stuff like that is not, not in my future. But um, yeah, that's about it uh, for me. Um, working on more books as much as I can. Uh, like you said, I got the Dreamwalker Chronicles, which is uh, six books strong right now. Um, Holy Warriors, which is one. I'm working on another two books in that series. And then um, I've got a uh, little urban YA fantasy that I've been working on for um, a little bit. And again, I'm kind of uh, waiting to get a couple couple books done before I, I uh, push those out to the public. So. Perfect. And, and when Chris says that he has three kids that are into sports, um, he took time out of his day right now. He's at a softball game um, watching one of his kids play. So uh, yeah. hats off to him to get on with us today. So so thank you for that. Sure. So what was the genesis of the Dreamwalker Chronicles? Kind of interestingly enough, I had this story floating around in my head probably in high school, you know, and um, – Anyone that's a writer, anyone that's an author or poet or anything probably goes back and looks at the stuff that they wrote in high school or middle school and realizes how awful it was, you know. But um, I had this story planned out and, um, you know, it kind of actually came out of like a Dungeons and Dragons adventure that I was on with a couple friends and my uncle was always our dungeon master. You know, one day I was just sitting down and I was kind of like, it'd be kind of cool to write a backstory to this other story that that i still eventually plan on writing now that it's 
25, 30 years later. Um, and that's how that's how uh, A Chance Beginning started. Shadows Fire was at one point one book. Um, and that was like just a backstory to this other story that I had. And then um, it kind of just grew. And uh, I um, got picked up by a small press that doesn't exist anymore, but it was called Lamp Post Publishing. And um, at first I was actually floating my book around as a, a Christian fantasy. And that's one of the categories that it is listed under in, uh, in Amazon. And, uh, and this was a specifically a, a Christian publication company that was looking Bibles and, and self-study help. You know, they wanted to expand into fiction. And so they picked me up. They said, hey, look, it's fantasy. Fantasies come in trilogies. We want you to break your book up, expand it a little bit. Uh, so I did that. Um, Lamppost ended up folding. Uh, so I was a little lost, but um, kind of one of the cool things about that, my acquisitions publisher uh, told me about this new company that Amazon had created called CreateSpace. And that's kind of when um, indie publishing really started to kind of come to the forefront. And it was, you know, you didn't have to buy a thousand copies of your own book anymore. They had, you know, Amazon started doing print on demand. Um, and so I did that um, and I published a chance beginning um, and it was pretty bad. The cover was awful. The editing was not very good. Um, and then so a couple years later, I found a local company here in, in Tucson called Wheatmark. And uh, they're still around. They're awesome. They have their own imprint, but a lot of what they do is kind of a la carte, helping indie authors publish books, get covers, whatever they need. Um, and the big thing that I got from them was... Um, an editor they hooked me up with an editor that i, I his name is graham schofield and uh, i still use him today and that's really what kind of helped me out a lot was just having a professional set of eyes look at my work really like the story but just you know the context and stuff was a little rough and so anyways that's that's kind of how it, it it got going and then found a professional cover artist and um you know started making a little bit of money off my first three books uh found a guy in in the uk who was looking to expand his his voiceover career in advertising and so he wanted to do a couple audible books and i was looking to get someone to do an audible for me uh, audio book and we ended up going through acx which is audible's amazon little wing and so he produced uh, uh, audio audio books for my first three books. And so, yeah, I mean, um, kind of started making a little bit of money and realized that this is something that I could possibly do full time at some point. So kind of encouraged me to continue writing. So that's kind of short story long. That's how it started. So how long did it take you to write your first, first book and how many drafts did you have to go through? Sure. Yeah. And, and I'll, I'll tell you and, and, and anyone else listening, I mean, it's a pretty tedious process. And I probably went through um, six or seven different drafts for a chance beginning um, it, it, because it was, it was really rough. And um, so I, I hooked up with Lamp Post in 2014. Um, they folded literally 13 months later. I self-published in 2016, R really floundered, you know, uh, and then I finally got hooked up with Graham. I finally put out what is a chance beginning today, um, like mid to late 2018. 
I already had Dark Winds and Breaking the Flame, which are both part of Shadows Fire. Um, and so that that took a couple rounds of editing with Graham. So so those first books took took a lot. Mm. But my my next three books in Demon's Fire, um, kind of as I as I got a process down um, and started working with Graham, it takes me less and less time. So my last uh, my last book that I wrote, Demon Rising, I basically wrote about half the manuscript, sent it to Graham, got some good direction, redid some stuff, finished the book, and then it took us one one big read and then one like deep edit so you know it's it's now taking me like one to two drafts just as i kind of i think that's true with anything you know you start to perfect is maybe not the right word but you start to get used to your craft and it takes less and less right um i mean i see that with coaching too i you know i, I have a pretty proven practice plan that i use when it comes to wrestling and you know, I make little tweaks here and there every year, but for the most part, it's it's the process I use now. So it's the same with books, you know. Um, and I also, I also, in the, uh, you've you've probably heard this, and you know, in the writing world, they have what are what they call what we call pantsers and plotters. Right. Right. And a pantser is someone who just sits there and writes, and then a plotter is someone who kind of sits down, maps out their story. And I I think a lot of people start off as pantsers. And slowly transition into plotters and that's what i've done and uh, that's helped out a lot too you know so if i start a project um depending on how much time i have so you know if it's like right in the middle of a sports season it'll it'll take me a couple days um you know during the summer it'll take me you know a day or half a day and i'll just plan everything out um how does the book start how does the book end um i've got a, a plotting system that i use that's um, by michael haig it's the six plot structure. It's a, it's a three act plotting structure. Um, and that's H uh, A G U E. He's, he's really good. He mostly, mostly um, screen screenwriting, but a lot of authors have started to take that, you know, cause um, not to kind of get off topic, but a lot of, I think a lot of authors are starting to realize that because movie and film are, is so prevalent. Like we, we kind of have to construct our books in that format now you know that's what's going to keep people's attention and so that's been really helpful um and then i you know i figure like for my for my longer epic fantasy books i typically have i start with uh 70 chapters and of course so then i'll go in and outline each chapter and then um, you know that expands or decreases depending on what happens and i certainly don't prevent myself from going out and expanding on what I've outlined, but I at least have that framework there that is helpful, you know? Nice. So how hard was it to expand when they said, Hey, uh, Epic fantasy trilogy or, or, or in trilogies, um, can you add to it? How, how hard was that to expand your story? I think first or sci-fi, uh, maybe even horror. You've always, I mean, any author, but, but especially those genres, you always have these ideas and especially when you're, you know, in true epic fantasy, when you're creating your own world, you know, like there's really no limit on what you can do. Um, so it wasn't too difficult. Uh, I think one of my, you know, when, when you sit back as a, as a business owner or, you know, whatever, you, you kind of think about what are your strengths and weaknesses. I think one of my strengths is that I receive criticism very well. 
So when, you know, my editor was like, Hey, we need to expand this. We need to change some things. My wife was like super pissed. You know, she's like <laughs> super protective of what I'm doing and you know, everything's amazing. And I was like, no, 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 it's okay. You know, they're, they're the professionals. They know. I mean, when I first got hooked up with, with Graham, he had me cut out the first three chapters of my book. And, um, even though that was tough, I, I trusted him. And again, my wife was like, nah, screw that guy. We got to go with someone else. And I'm like, no, 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 it's, it'll be okay. And it did. It wound up being okay. So I, I think that, um, taking criticism comes from being an athlete. I mean, as a coach, um, as, as you're getting instructed to by a coach, you might think you have a, a, a double leg takedown, right? But he can see little tweaks and stuff that you can like, okay, if you do this, then your, your technique is a lot better. Oh, 100%. And, you know, I think that's a big difference between successful entrepreneurs and business owners. Um, in between my, my career as an educator, I, I was a financial advisor for a couple of years. And again, it's like, you know, you got guys out there that are, you know, making a lot of money and they're really successful. Like you want to listen to what the successful people do. I mean, one of the things that really helped my writing take off was I joined a, a local authors group here in Tucson and uh, there, there were two guys, well, they're still a part of it, but you know, we've, um, you know, with the last couple of years, been a lot of Zoom and stuff like that. But um, Eric T. Knight, um, and, who's a fantasy author, and uh, David Van Dyke, who's uh, kind of sci-fi, space opera, post-apocalyptic. And, uh, you know, they're both six-figure six earners. They both have 20-plus books published. And so, you know, I, I think we got to make things our own. But when they tell you to do something, it's like, okay, well, you know, these guys are pretty successful. I'm going to listen to what they're telling me. And uh, I, think, I think that's really key. I think a lot of authors that I've met that are struggling – they, they really they really struggle with that criticism and I want I want to produce my own story but at the same time I don't want to reinvent the wheel you know like if something works it's gonna work and ultimately I want to make money off of writing books so right you know. success leaves clues and you have to find those clues in order to be successful 100% so when you finished the first trilogy when um, when did you realize that okay I want to do demons fire and continue on I already had Demon's Fire mapped out, uh, ready to go. Like it was, it had been on top of my mind, and and even way back before I hooked up with Graham, like I had started outlining and thinking about what was going to happen afterwards. Um, and it, of course, it's changed a little bit, but um, you know, especially as I've kind of considered, like I want to do, you know, I want to do uh, another another trilogy that's a part of Demon Walker, uh, Dreamwalker Chronicles, and then probably another one after that. So I think, I think expanding on the story and, and starting the next set has been pretty easy in terms of, in terms of what, in terms of the story itself, um, getting started has, has gotten a little more difficult because, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to rehash the same story over and over with my, you know, my, my main character, Eric, you know, it's kind of like, you know, I want to show the reader continual growth and and not. I don't know. Have you read the uh, Wheel of Time series by Robert Jordan and Brandon Sanderson? Well, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, one of my one of my biggest frustrations with Wheel of Time was, and and I'm not at all. I mean, Robert Jordan is a phenomenal author, and Brandon Sanderson obviously is 
is even more so in my opinion. Main character, he was constantly questioning like his, his, uh, you know what, who he was, and he's the savior of the world. And it's like, by book eight, I was kind of like, don't you think he would finally realize that he he's the guy? And so, as much as I liked the books, that was one criticism I had, and I didn't want to do the same thing. So like, I want my main characters to have a, a new a new problem they, they've already discovered who they are in this place so now uh, five years later and at this stage in their life now we're figuring out who we are kind of deal i don't know if that makes sense but no that makes totally sense uh, you said that you eventually want to make a, a living off of this what have yeah. been some of the challenges in marketing because amazon changes a lot how do you how do you stay current? Oh. yeah so so it, it's been tough you know right before covid um, right before COVID, I was, I was making, let me see, my, my advertising spend was about $1,500 a month, but I was making a little over $4,000 a month. So I hadn't quite yet replaced my teaching income, especially with my advertising costs, but we were moving in the right direction and things were kind of getting pretty exciting. Um, and then when COVID hit, my sales first spiked, you know, I, I, I figured people were just kind of chilling and wanting something to do, but then, then my sales like really tanked and I wasn't even breaking even on my advertising costs. And I had to pull a lot of that back and now it's been really up and down, uh, last three or four months were pretty good. Now they've stalled out a little bit, which is pretty typical for the summer. Um, but yeah, I, advertising and marketing is man, right now it's super sticky. Amazon continually changes their algorithms. I'm not a big computer tech guy in terms of trying to figure that stuff out, but the people that I do talk to that, that are in really into marketing, you know, they, they're constantly saying that Amazon is just constantly changing how they support certain authors over other ones. Um, Facebook has been really kind to me. I actually have a, an athlete of mine, his, a former athlete of mine, his dad, it's kind of a Facebook marketing guru. So he's taken that over for me. Um, you know, and I, I pay him a small amount on a monthly basis and he runs my Facebook ads. So, so that's been really good. Um, I've actually just considered, um, you know, so, so again, you have Amazon exclusive, right? Um, and if you are an indie author and you publish through Amazon only, they give you Kindle Unlimited rights and, and there's some other things that come along with that that are really good and beneficial. Uh, but then you can't, you know, you, you can't electronically publish on Kobo or Nook or Apple iBooks. So recently I've kind of considered going wide. So kind of breaking out of being only Amazon and, you know, kind of watching my, my Kindle page reads and, you know, as they keep going down and down and down, I'm, I'm kind of leaning more towards going wide um, to try to kind of get an expanded audience, I guess. So, yeah, marketing's been really, really, really sticky recently. And I've been fortunate enough to at least break even on my advertising costs right now. They're, they're still right around twelve to $1,500 a month. So it's it's a little rough right now. And, I mean, if you take the, the 20 to 50K model, you know, I'm, I'm not there yet. Uh -huh. So write 20 books, make 50 grand a year. Um, 
you know, so I've got seven books. I'm working on three more right now. So I've got a little while to go for that, but I, I figure, you know, I think especially with indie, indie publishing, you know, the more you write, the more quality books you have out there, um, you know, you start making more money. People start realizing you get those super fans that are necessary. And I think one of the bad things about the indie industry is you get a lot of people out there writing or they're, you know, like this, this whole, you know, fantasy and sci-fi get inundated with like this erotica reverse harem type stuff. It's just, it's basically porn and, and no one's, the writing is terrible, but you know, they just flood the market. And at any given time, you look at Amazon and the top 10 books fall into those categories and they're terrible. And they're, you know, they've got backlisted links to all kinds of crazy stuff in the back of their, but you, you know, it's, so it's tough. It's tough right now for indie authors, including myself. So, so for those that um, are listening, don't get too scared about the, the $1,500 a month. You don't need to do that right away. <laughs> no, and, no, not at all. No, no, no. And I, I started off, look, I started off with, um, uh, my wife and I agreed. We had, we had, we were making enough money. Um, we thought that $300 a month was a good budget. And I know people that started off with even less than that. Um, and you know, as, as, as I, I mean, in most things, if you have a good product that people like, the more money you put into it, the more money you make, um, you know, and clearly markets shift and they're up and down. But, um, the other big one too, though, for anyone listening for, um, indie authors, especially is you gotta, you gotta hook up those book swaps, those newsletter swaps. So if you don't have a newsletter, you gotta create a newsletter. Um, and uh, you can easily build that stuff into the back pages of your book. Um, links to sign up for your newsletter, ask friends and family, don't be afraid to ask people. Some, some big names that have agreed to newsletter swap with me. Um, I've done a newsletter swap with David Estes a couple times. He's the author of the Fate Mart series. What a cool dude. I mean, just an awesome guy who is willing to help any indie fantasy author that is trying to get out there and um, and make it as an author. Um, Andy Pelliquin has also done a uh, newsletter swap with me. Again, really cool guy. Um, Christopher Mitchell, who wrote the Mageland epic series. Now, he he really took COVID seriously. We were about the same place um, right before COVID hit. And um, during COVID, he just cranked out like 10 books. So he's doing awesome right now. Uh, we've done a couple newsletter swaps. Um, you know, um, ML Spencer uh, helped me out um, big time. Of course, Eric, Eric, Eric Knight, who, who I met ML Spencer through Eric. Um, so it's, you know, it's trying to reach out and find those authors that are w willing to help, you know, and I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm by no means where I want to be and, and where I, where I could be, but, you know, I, I've got decent book sales. And so, um, and my, my newsletter list is like 3000 strong. So, you know, I think as, as I look to people who are doing better than me, and then I get people who are serious that, that reach out to me for my help, because I'm kind of like a low mid-level guy, I guess, you know, then I, I turn around and pay it forward also, you know, so someone who's got two or 300 people on their newsletter list, but they're serious about writing, you know, I'll swap with them. And th that's you, the newsletter swaps. And then um, doing stuff through book funnel and uh, story origin is also really good. Those are really two 
really uh, two websites that are really good that you can also join promos and people put together these promotions and you put your book in there. And as long as you kind of blast it out on social media, put in your newsletter, they'll let you keep coming back and doing those promos. So those are good too. Nice. And I got to give a shout out to both ML Spencer and Andy Pelican. When I first started this, um, I had no credibility whatsoever. You know, I hadn't had an episode out and they both agreed to interview with me. So that's awesome. I mean, networking is huge. So yeah. that's that's great advice. And you've, you've kind of talked about it throughout this whole interview is is how many people you've been able to, to network with uh, the, you know, the um, your your editor, your you know, your high school um, former student that his father is now running your Facebook ads like like networking is is a big part of this. And we, we kind of get this idea of we're going to be, you know, on a beach or in the mountains or somewhere, you know, in a cabin riding, but that's not really how it is. Like you need to be able to be um, social and be able to reach out to people so you can learn. Like I said earlier, like success leaves clues and like everybody has a golden nugget that you can learn from. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think, I think you find this with a lot of artists, whether they're, you know, physical art, musician, writer, poet. Um, I mean, it's, if we want to make a living doing this, we have to turn ourselves into entrepreneurs. Um, and I think, you know, that, that can be difficult for a lot of people. Um, my dad was a small business owner growing up, so it wasn't too hard of a transition for me. Um, even though there's other things that, you know, I mean, in, in some scenarios, I'm very much an introvert. So talking to people sometimes is a little difficult. You got to force yourself to get out of your comfort zone. But I think for a lot of artists, that's, that's the piece that 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 we struggle with is the business aspect of it. The business aspect of marketing, the business aspect of writing your books, um, the business aspect of receiving criticism, you know, all that stuff is, it, you know, I mean, we just want to write, right? And so then all this other stuff gets piled on top of it. And you're like, well, I didn't know that came with a job, you know? Um, so yeah, marketing and networking is huge, huge. So what drew you to fantasy? Why did you choose to write in that genre? I mean, you said you played Dungeons and Dragons. Do you remember what, like kind of like the first stories that brought you into that genre? Yeah, so I grew up watching Star Wars, the the original Star Wars. And um, both my dad and my uncle, his brother, were, were always really into fantasy. My, my uncle was the one that introduced me to Dungeons and Dragons. Um, you know, The Hobbit, uh, the original Hobbit cartoon. Right. I remember watching that day after day. And so I think I just grew, you know, I grew up in that environment, you know, um, gosh, uh, old school Disney Dragon Slayer, you know, all, all those old, old school sci-fi fantasy movies. Um, so I think that's just kind of where my, my mind traveled, you know? Um, and then as I started thinking about writing, um, I just really got a kick out of, I got a kick out of trying to transport someone into my imagination, you know, in a non, non weird way, you know, I think like <laughs> no inception. You know, yeah. 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 No. Yeah. Um, I just, you know, like when I, when I read Lord of the Rings, you know, I, I, I visualize all this stuff and, and um, like when the movies came out and they have that first scene going into Hobbiton, I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is what I envisioned for my whole life. You know, it was, it was just kind of this cool experience. And so I thought it'd be really cool to, to, to 
offer that up to other people and you know i don't know i mean i think too like fantasy you know that you offer up the ability to address social and political issues without being um too controversial i mean like i'm working on one story that is attached to my dreamwalker chronicles but it, it and you know it's fantasy so one of my one of the races in my world are goblins and and like dungeons and dragons everyone looks at goblins like they're gross and they're mean and they're evil and even if they're a part of society they're the they're the thieves and they're the they're they're the drunks and so i started you know i started exploring well i mean what if what if goblins are that way because that's the way society has viewed them for all of history and within the goblin community there's these goblins that are truly jerks but then there's goblins who are really good people and they're trying to break out of that social norm you know and i you know i kind of started looking at you know stuff that's going on today in, in the united states around the world and whether it's social or political and you know it's an easy way to to make some commentary on something that we're seeing or feeling without being so controversial that we shut people off from our work and so i think that's one of the cool things about fantasy you know i mean you know instead of talking about your your grumpy coworker, you just have a dwarf you know <laughs> <laughs> no that's true and and people have been doing that for you know decades tolkien did it i mean even the iliad and the odyssey it's a social commentary oh, absolutely. Really. yep absolutely so you're a wrestling coach and a football coach how <laughs> has being a coach and knowing um knowing how to position your body helped you with your writing, especially with fight scenes. That That's, that's really helped. Like you said, especially with fight scenes. I mean, um, I, I'm, I have a, a deep passion for wrestling. So whenever I can, whenever I can put some wrestling in there, I do, you know, whether it's a fight scene where the weapons have been lost and we got a grapple or something like that. Um, and um, I'm also, my, my, my teaching job is as a strength coach at the high school. And so um, you know, just having that body awareness and knowing how the body moves, I think it helps a lot. You know, I mean, I think people, whoever, whoever the author is, you know, they, they're going to, they're going to um, inject their areas of expertise into their writing. And, um, you know, like I was, uh, shoot, I forgot who I was, up, who I was talking to. It was another author, but, you know, they were, they were, a, um, they were a chemist um as before they became a writer and so it was like their 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 scenes of magic and how their characters combined elements to create a magic spell they, they were like just so articulate and perfect because they have had this career where i mean that's basically what they did so they knew how to mix stuff and create things you know so i i think we inject those areas of expertise and I think the other thing too is, you know, when your when your job isn't physical fitness, and, and this is anything, right? You 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 have a tendency to forget about that, and I think trying as hard as we can to move our bodies and be in shape, it's going to make us write better. There's going to be more clarity of mind. We're going to feel better about ourselves. So when we sit down to write, there's you know some confidence that gets released when we work out. Um, you know, they call them the good feeling more than just influencing my writing. It's being able to be confident when I sit down and write and um, feel good about myself because 
you know, I've just worked out or, you know, I feel good about where I'm at physically. Um, so I think that's really important too. So, yeah, no, I agree. Um, plus as a wrestler, you know how tired you get after six minutes on a match. And so when you're writing a fight scene, you understand like how your forearms burn and how your quads burn. And it's, it's, it's not a long drawn out thing, a fight. It, you get tired right. quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, what, what's kind of cool, I I found this channel on YouTube, and it, it's these expert fighters, like expert archers and swordsmen and military strategists, and they watch fight scenes from movies and critique them. And they're always bad, right? And so one of the things that I, I realized was, like, a fight scene is, I mean, in, in real life, a fight would last a couple minutes, maybe, you know, five minutes. And so that's started to influence my writing too. Like we want to really explain these long drawn out scenes and that's just not, <laughs> that's just not reality. You know I mean? Sometimes I think sometimes in writing, you just, I mean, obviously a little more eloquently than this, but you just say, Hey, they, they had a fight and we're going to move on. Right. Uh, and, you know, let the reader kind of imagine that, but yeah, definitely. I mean, you realize like, these are not hour-long duels. No, do you have any tips or tricks for the, the newbie out there who wants to try to start this journey? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think first and foremost, you just got to believe in yourself. Um, I tell my athletes all the time, um, no use in busting yourself down and being super hypercritical of yourself because enough people in this world are going to be critical of you. Um, so don't person right you've got to be your first champion so i think um and for uh, uh um, be confident and you know be, be confident in your story and and that you want to do this um i think the second thing is and i think this is really important and a lot of people don't do this what what is the goal of your writing so i knew early on that that and, and i love teaching and i love coaching so I don't know if I would ever completely walk away from those things, but I knew that I wanted to make an income from writing. Right. So, you know, my, so, so that's, that, that motivates my writing and how I write. I mean, I know that there's some things out there that maybe I w would want to put into a book, but it's, it's not going to sell. And, and I kind of hate to say that, but you know, if I know that an audience isn't going to like it, appreciate it, it's going to turn them off from reading my book, then I'm not going to put it in there. You know, um, for example, I had um, just being listed as Christian fantasy. Um, you know, my books, they, they don't have any sex in them. Um, they have, you know, some, I, I would say, mildly graphic violence. I, I normally tell people they're like a solid PG-13 because of violence. Um, and they had some language. You know, I, had, I have this character in my first three books. He's just a squirrely, grungy, not so good guy that continually tries to redeem himself and he always fails at it. And so he drops the F-bomb a couple times. And, you know, I had a couple people reach out to me and tell me they really liked my books, but, you know, the language, the couple areas where that happened kind of turned them off. And I said, okay, cool, well. So I went back in. Night. One of the nice things about being an indie author is you have full control over your work. So I went back in, edited those parts out. I mean, I can use a different word there. It doesn't matter to me. And um, that's what I did. That harshness about that character, I realized I could do it a different way that's going to attract more people to my books. So I think I think that's big. Understanding what is your goal in writing 
if you just want to write to write, then, you know, your, your journey is going to be very different than mine, right? If you want to write to make money, then, you know, you have to market yourself and you have to listen to criticism. And so I guess that's the other one is be open to criticism. You know, if, if you ask someone for help and they're telling you, look, you need to change this and this and this, and you push back, then, I mean, really coachable, you know? And it doesn't mean you always have to take the suggestions other people make, but maybe there's something they said that, that raises a red flag as you continue to write. And I need to, you know, constantly think about those criticisms as I move forward. Um, and then I think we already said it, you know, you gotta, you gotta network and you gotta plan. I, I am, I admit to everyone, like mm -hmm. I am not a very organized person. So that's one area of my life, whether it's teaching, coaching, writing, even with my, my, my kids and my wife, um, I have to force myself to plan things out and be organized. And so for some people that's not their strong suit. So you got to kind of force yourself to plan and set goals and, and do those things. Cause for me, that's been the hardest part, you know, like planning out my time. Okay. I'm going to sit down from 8 PM to 10 PM and write. Um, this is my goal word count for today or for the week or just sitting down, like I said earlier and plotting instead of just sitting down and panting. Um, so yeah, I think, I think those are probably to get started, you know, um, reach out, definitely network to people. Authors are amazing people, especially indie authors. The ones that have made it big. Um, I mean, even, uh, let me see, David, David Estes is probably the biggest one that that's helped me. Um, Brent Weeks actually, actually had a, we, we had an email conversation going on. You know, he, he was, he was pretty straightforward. He said, look, I, 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 he told me that he doesn't personally do newsletter swaps anymore. You know, he's, he's a, you know, big trad published guy help, you know, here's a big time published fantasy author. Um, Brandon Sanderson, actually, I emailed him a couple times and, you know, he sent me, you know, he sent me what resources he could. Um, so I think especially in the fantasy and sci-fi community, um, authors are amazing people and they realize that they wouldn't be where they are, the big guys, without help, especially in our current market and the way that writing and the art, just art in general, the market has changed. And so I would strongly encourage anyone who's just starting out to reach out to authors that are, you know, they, you know, it, and it's wherever you are, right? If you've got one book close, reach out to an author who got three or four books for me. I reach out to authors who have, you know, 15, 20 books published, you know, and, and if I'm floating around like the 20,000 ranking mark on, on Amazon Kindle, I'm looking to the guys who are between a thousand and 2000 and reaching out to them for help. You know, when I was sitting around a hundred thousand for my ranking, I was reaching out to guys like me, you know, and I think as you get more proficient and you get better and better and better, you continue to reach up to I mean, I, I hate to use this word because I'm not trying to sound self-righteous or anything, but you reach out to the next tier, right? You reach out to the next level up and ask for those guys' help. And I mean, I've, 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 I've never met an author, at least within my genre, that hasn't been willing to help me in some, some, some shape or form. Right. No, it, this author uh, community is, is amazing. And I found that nothing but people who are willing to help um, if, the, if they're able to. So. Yeah, that, that's great advice all around, you know, from, you know, being organized if, if you're not organized to, to networking 
to having confidence in yourself. That's that's great advice. So do you, what are your plans for 2022? Are you going to any conventions or anything like that? Or are you just planning on writing? Yeah, no, I, I – um, so the big one that I'm going to this year, and it's um, May 27th, 28th, and 29th, is the uh, Phoenix Comic Con. I'm going uh, there. Are you? Oh, nice. So um, my, my dad is actually a huge comic book collector. He's got – I had a guy offer him like 300 grand the other day for his comic book convention. So my dad and I decided I, – I did the um, – I did the Tucson Comic Con right before COVID, and uh, did really well, you know. And, and Tucson Comic Con isn't tiny, but if you've ever been to a comic book convention uh, or any sort of book convention, it's certainly not huge, right? Mm-hmm. So I figured if I did pretty well at Tucson, Phoenix Comic Con is right after graduation, so I don't have to take time off of work. And my dad wanted to, so we we got a big corner booth where he's going to be selling comics that he's had professionally graded and i'm going to be you know pushing my writing um outside well, I'll pick of, up a book from you i'll buy one yeah that'd be great man that'd be great stop by and um yeah outside of that nothing big but you know there's there's some big ones that i'd like to hit up uh, i've you know like um uh dragon con is one that i've been wanting to hit and you know some other big ones um and then um we went out to the uh Three years ago, we went out to the New York Comic Book Convention, and that was awesome. I mean, the booths there are super expensive, you know, so that's like I need I need to put a couple more things out before I do that. But, uh, like, the networking there was insane. Um, I sat down for a long time and talked to Peter V. Brett. He's the um, author of the um, Demon Cycle, you know. Um, I interviewed him last year, again, with no credibility. He's like, yeah, I'll interview with you. Like, oh. Yeah, what a, what a cool guy! Just a yeah. super cool guy. He was there with his son. His son was chilling with him, and um, super love his books. And I mean, if anyone out there has never read his books, um, I would call him like probably a, a mild R. So just be be ready for that. But um, man, when you finally realize the world that his his world is set in, and what's it, it's it's super cool. It's just a the way it unfolds. He does a great job. Anyways, he he was awesome. Um, you know, and the other thing that I think is cool about going to comic book conventions and book conventions is you sit on panels and as an author, you know, you sit there and you're like, oh, wow, I've written as many books as this guy. I I can be there. I think for those new guys, it's another affirmation of like anyone who puts their mind to it can do this. So, right. Yeah. So that's my, my big one. Trying to figure out Amazon marketing right now has has been a headache and, you know, I'm getting ready to pull back all my Amazon ads and just go 100% Facebook and a B test that and see how that works. So yeah. good. That's another thing that new author, like don't be afraid to test things like figure oh, out what yeah. works. Have to have to. Yeah. And unfortunately, sometimes it takes a little bit of money, but um, I mean, if you do it and you listen to it and you, and you, and you pay attention to, you know, the data, it'll, it'll end up paying itself back to you. No, for sure. Well, uh, tell everybody how they can get a hold of you. Um, this is your promotion time, whatever you want to say. Sure. Yeah. So, um, uh, always good to have people, uh, like jump on Instagram. Uh, my handle there is uh, fantasy author, Chris Patterson, um, or Facebook, which is Tucson author, Chris Patterson. I'm super creative in those names. <laughs> um, you can always go to my website, which is, uh, Christopher dash Patterson.com. Um, or just look up Christopher Patterson on Amazon. Um, 
I used to get confused with some guy that wrote a book about boating, but now that I have more books than he does, I, I pop up first, generally speaking. So, um, yeah, or if you type in Dreamwalker Chronicles or To To Kill a Witch is my historical fiction book. Um, that's generally speaking the first one that pops up. So those are great ways. Um, C. Patterson at Christopher-Patterson.com is my author email if uh, someone wants to email me. But, yeah, just um, hit me up on Amazon or Instagram and, uh, you know, reach out. Any, any authors that... I don't know. They, they're looking for networking opportunities. I'm always down. I'm always uh, open to those opportunities as well. Perfect. Well, thank you for your time. I know you're busy and I appreciate it. Yeah, man. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Troy podcast. Please subscribe, like, and share with your friends.